Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So the helipod on the road once again, and we were with a guy I haven't seen in a decade. John Beck, former NFL quarterback, former second-round pick, now working with 3DQB with Adam Dado, coaching up some of the best quarterbacks in this year's draft. Did I get the timing right, John? Has it been about 10 years? Exact, pretty much exactly 10 years. I think the fall of 2011 was my last fall with the Redskins, sir, the Washington football team now. But, uh, yeah, 10 years. And since 2013, 2014-ish, you've been working here at 3DQB, and you guys have built an absolute powerhouse in the quarterback consulting market. I mean, I can't believe how many guys you have that are in the league right now and that are in this draft. A lot of guys. A lot of guys have been coming to us for a while. Um, when the younger players find out what the veteran players are doing, they want to come. When agents find out that you know a starter has been coming here or maybe one of their starters has come in here, as soon as they get one of these young draft guys, they want them to come here as well. So it's, it's been a great experience to be a part of it, to be a part of the growth process that has gone on here. And, uh, yeah, the stable of quarterbacks that we have is pretty awesome. Well, you were a former second-round pick back in the 07 draft. That was the That's Jamarcus right. Russell draft. We're going to get to your career in just a few minutes. But if it's okay with you, I just want to kind of run through the guys that you're working with right now that are, that are in this draft. Yeah, All absolutely. Right? All right, let's, let's start with, uh, with Zach Wilson because his, your fellow BYU guy, your fellow Coug, um, his story is just remarkable in terms of where he's come from to where he is now. Um, he was driving down here from Utah during COVID to work with you on a regular basis, 10, 12 times he would make that drive, which is over 10 hours, right? Yeah, he made a lot of trips. Uh, and those trips weren't just always bouncing down for a couple of days and bouncing back. Sometimes he'd come down, spend seven, eight, nine days with us, and then bounce back. So he got a lot of training. And I've told people before, for college guys, it can be really difficult to find time in the off seasons to come and train with somebody that like is in another state. He got to kind of train like a professional during COVID. So it worked out great for him. He made a lot of sacrifices to get down here. It's not easy to make that drive. Um, you know, the easier thing would have been just to hop on a plane and go back. But he wanted that freedom to be able to stay as long as he could, leave when he needed. Uh, and he would come down here and make the most of his time, not only with, like, on-field stuff, but off the field, too, watching tape, going over things. He's a really hardworking kid, and uh, he saw an opportunity and he grabbed it. So did your relationship with him develop because he was a BYU guy? How, how did that happen? So our story's pretty cool. It was actually through his uncle, Steve Nealman, his cousin, J.D. Nealman was coming out here to get training. So they came out for like a two or three day workout session, kind of like, let's find out what this is all about, right? So he's going through his assessment days, training days, and the dad, after one of the sessions, said, my nephew committed to BYU, just started there. He's in spring ball as a freshman. I think he and his dad would love this. They would eat this up. Can I put you guys in touch? So it was actually a text thread, like I think right in the middle of spring ball during Zach's freshman year of 2018, we're on this thread together, and he's saying, hey, my uncle told me about what you guys are. I'm really interested. I want to come out, and that's how it kind of all started. I think the week or two after Zach finished spring ball his freshman year, he came out here, and things got rolling. So three three years? Three years, yeah, almost to like, I mean, I bet their spring ball ended the beginning of April, 
2018. So yeah, pretty much three years to the mark right now. I'm trying to remember the last guy that I've seen on a rocket ship like Zach Wilson. There, there was nobody talking about him being a first-round pick or even, I think, a second or third-round pick prior to the season starting. He was actually in a quarterback competition with two other guys after a sophomore year that he threw 11 touchdowns and, and nine interceptions. He obviously wins the job and explodes. Did you see this coming at all in, in the offseason? Did you have any idea, like, this kid is an absolute stud? So I had an idea that he was a stud, yes, but there's no way I could have predicted that this is the way that it was going to shake down. There are people that I'm connected to within the NFL agents that I gave them the heads up early on, like, this will be a guy. Could I have predicted that he was going to potentially be the second pick of the draft? I could not have done that. But he definitely was demonstrating abilities, work ethic, talent level, I mean, a lot of things that I knew teams would be highly interested in, right? But, but it comes down to more than just his ability. Quarterbacks have to have a team around them. Situationally, it has to work for their benefit, right? If they have a team where the defense is struggling, then they could be always playing from behind. They could be always in situations where they're having to score 40 points to win. So, so much of the environment that he was in was going to dictate kind of how it finished for him. Right. I never foresaw that he would leave after his junior year. Did I foresee him having like a great season? Yes, if all those other pieces lined up. Did I see teams being wowed by some of the things he could do? Yes, but if he was given opportunities in game to show them. It doesn't always work out, you know, exactly how we draw it up. But for this year, it's been an amazing ride. And I know if Zach was sitting in this spot right now, if you said, Zach, could you have seen this happening? His exact thing, he'd get a big smile and he would say, no. Right. All I was trying to do was just play good football. 33 touchdowns, three picks. He, he played unbelievable football. And I'm just wondering... He was just trying to win the starting job and have a good year. He wasn't even thinking about the NFL. Was there a point during the season when you talked to Zach or those around him, his family, and you said, like, this is, this is going to happen? Like, he, he's, he's shooting up these charts right now. Yeah, it wasn't with Zach. Zach, our conversations were all football. Um, he did a great job of putting his head down and working in the offseason, and he did an even better job of keeping that during the season, of just focusing on the task at hand, knowing it's all about playing good ball. But – you know, because his dad had to be the one fielding all the phone calls, the role that I was in as not only a coach, but a friend to the family, a friend to Zach, a mentor to him, his dad knew that I've been down this road before. Like, right. I walked this journey. So when the agents would start calling, he would call say, hey, I'm getting hit up by agents. And I say, all right, well, you'll know when it really turns to the big stuff, when these guys start reaching out to you. And then it was, it was actually one day Mel Kuyper put out his top five list, right, for the draft. And I actually called Mike and I said, remember when I told you when things are going to get different? It's going to get different now because you're on that list now. It's going to change. Things will change. And that was kind of like what I would say is the starting point for then this just like huge rise that like people compare to the Joe Burrow rise, right? Like the year before Mel Kuyper yep. had him as like I think a sixth or seventh round pick. And then all of a sudden he's the number one pick. And that's when things really kicked up. The cool part was it never really got in Zach's way. It was never really any conversation we ever had. But it was with his dad. I had, hey, yeah, like, let's, let's walk through this thing because it is getting wild. And even his dad, if he was sitting here, he would just probably answer with, wow, I, it happened so fast. Right. You know, we, we couldn't have expected it. We just kind of had to handle it as it came. I mean, this was a guy who was delivering DoorDash because yeah. he wanted to stay busy. You know, he, he, he comes from a well-to-do family. He would come down here. He would work with you. He would be at school. And 
He's a DoorDash delivery guy in Utah and California, just just kind of to kill time and earn some extra bucks. Yeah, people probably should have been taking some pictures of their DoorDash guy, <laughs> just uh, or have him do some autographs if they would have known like who it really was. But uh, yeah, he just wanted to make use of his time. You know, he's a very efficient, hardworking kid. So instead of you know coming down here training for the first half of the day and then lounging around, he made the most of it. And he looked at his, he saw it as an opportunity to make a few bucks. Right, I'm right. on the road. I don't have a job that's full-time back up in Utah or part-time that's going to make me a lot of money. So while I'm down here, why not earn a few extra bucks? He's got a girlfriend. He's got to, you know, you know how that goes. Yeah. you got to take him out to dinner. They're you not, you got to pay for girlfriends that. Girlfriends aren't pay cheap. Those dates. <laughs> and, you know, he's very thoughtful. He wanted to do kind things for his family members. I remember the weekend he was, like, prepping for Mother's Day. He was wanting to earn some money to do some cool stuff for his mom. So definitely made the most use of his time. It's fascinating how this whole name, image, likeness thing is going to change that, I think, in yeah, the long way, term. Yeah, way change it's, that. That's going to be a little different. All right, let's go. For each of these guys, I want a best trait and something you're working on. Okay. For Zach Wilson, his best trait is what? Um, I'm, I'm going to actually choose Zach's. I'm going to break it up, okay, because there's a mental one, and then there's like a physical Perfect. one. Perfect. From a mental standpoint, he is just relentless in his pursuit of the game. Like the guy just eats up ball, loves ball, loves talking ball, thinking football. So I think he has a great mindset to be a professional player. You have to be like that. Do you have to love every aspect of it every single day? No, you don't. But do you have to love ball enough to do all of the things you have to put in, like tape, the things in preparation, the love of like just the, the chess game? Yes, I believe you do. He has that on the now like the other part, right? And you can kind of say it's a little bit mental too. My favorite thing about him is he has this thing that he just, he picks himself. And I've said that in a handful of interviews already and some people might be like, what does that mean? What I mean is in opportunities when he can either give the run or throw it, I think he wants to throw, right? At the end of games, when he's down by six points, like I don't think Zach looks at it as like, oh my gosh, if, if we would have played better, we wouldn't be in this position. I think he's like, great, I want to be a comeback quarterback. I want to be the guy that in these moments thrives, nails it, that's who I am. So I really like that aspect about him as well. And that's why I think when, when some people hear him talk, uh, they can sense this like confidence about him because I think he's like probably some of the same traits from a physical competitive standpoint of the people that succeed in clutch moments. I mm -hmm. think Zach wants to be in those moments. And, and, and what about something you've worked on the most with him? I'm going to go all the way back to his freshman year in college. When I first met Zach, he was a kid that could throw a pretty ball. He was a kid that you, you could tell had really repped and worked hard on certain throws. But then you could see these other throws that could be tied together better. So he's a really good athlete. Like if you played basketball with him, you'd be like, whoa. He's like, a point, high school point guard. Yeah, right? and he's not just like semi-good. Like the dude can play. And when he, like I have played some pickup ball with him. That's how I know, right? Like. He's explosive. He can do all these things. I just remember seeing him as an 18-year-old saying, I can see the things that he's practiced, and I can see the areas that he needs to grow. But you can see this athleticism that can be tied into a bunch of other areas of his game. He was like the athletic guy that would like make these super athletic movements, and now he's four yards over here. But that's taking him into other stuff. Right. Well, use the athleticism to just quickly slide. And yeah, you're in a body position that maybe most people wouldn't coach you to be in, because it looks off balance. It looks like you're not going to throw a great throw. And at that time, at 18, it wasn't going to be a great throw. But if you can mold it into this space where he can move and have great posture, then now he can make those difficult throws look easy. So for me, what have we worked on the most? It's that exact thing. How can we take this super athletic kid that works like crazy, 
get him to fill these positions where others may feel like they're awkward or out of balance and him actually feel comfortable in them because he's repped it so much. Justin Fields, another guy that uh, you've worked with just this year. Did you work with him prior to? Just this year. Just this year. Yep. So this is a very different guy than, than Zach. He was a five-star coming out of high school. He's the top dual-threat quarterback in the country. Number two overall to Trevor Lawrence, as you know. Started at Georgia, went to Ohio State. Offensive player of the year twice there. Um, but like so many quarterbacks who go through this draft process, we've, we've been seeing people, analysts, kind of poking holes in his game, he's, and he's you know, seemingly been kind of sliding down um, the draft charts, has all the physical tools. The guy, I mean, is, yeah, is a absolutely. burner, right? What is, what is his best trait? What's Justin Fields' best trait? So I'm going to do the same thing as well. I just love separating the mental and the physical Great. stuff. Like, presence. To me, Justin, and I'm putting this on, like, the mental side, mm -hmm. okay? Because I think if you have a presence about you, it's because of the way you carry yourself upstairs, right? Um, I just think that he has this presence to him that you can feel it when you're around him. You can sense that he's the Ohio State quarterback that played in playoffs both years, has played in a national championship game. He has this way about him that as he carries himself through workouts, nothing's too big. I think presence is so important because when you walk into a locker room, unsaid, your, your teammates can feel that, right? They, don't, they, they watch you and they notice how you act, how you carry yourself. More so for a quarterback than any other position, you think? Okay, so because I played quarterback, I look for that in receivers. I look for that in my teammates, right? right? I think that like, I think all athletes, there's like these unspoken things that you can just feel about each other. And most quarterbacks, I think because they depend so much on the guys around them, and I say we, not I'm a quarterback anymore, but like I can probably speak for all the guys that have played. You look for those things in guys as you're around them because you know they matter to you because you're going to need him. And I, I just think Justin, uh, he has a great mindset for, I don't think any stage is going to feel too big. I think if you had to play him as a day one starter, I think he's going to walk out there and be like, I've done big things before. I'm going to do more big things. And I love that mindset about him. Like he's a guy that is going for, I want to be a Super Bowl quarterback. Like I want those things. It's not going to be it's not like he's feeling like uh, undaunted of some task, right? Or, you know, or sorry, not undaunted, but like it's, it's too daunting too for him. Daunting, That's right. what I was trying right, to say. Sure. He's acting in a very undaunted way. Uh, things aren't too daunting for him. Physical side, the dude is a super athlete. Um, you know, you watch him run, you watch him throw, you watch him get out on the edge and throw the keeper game, you watch him do everything. There's nothing the guy can't do from an athletic standpoint. The thing that I've enjoyed most, and I'm going to tie this into the things we've worked on, he has such an athletic background. The things that we've worked on is tying all those athletic things into his quarterbacking. Um, I think he comes from a place where he can be very, uh, I, I'm going to use programmed, but in a good way. Because he's athletic, he can put himself in a position to get back to that programmed throw. It's a positive of his. Most coaches would love that. This is great that that guy can always get back to that place. He can always move and get back to that spot. I just know in the NFL game, because of the chaos of the pocket, his athleticism in all those areas of being able to throw from different arm angles, of being able to be in different positions, that's what he's going to need. So the areas that we've done is we've said, let's grow you in those areas where we can take this, this awesome background of playing shortstop and let's tie that into all these areas of your quarterbacking because he can do it. In, in almost like a Patrick Mahomes type of way, you're talking about the different arm yeah, angles and everything. Yeah, like he can do all those things. It's just... He's such a good athlete, and he must have come from a background of a very disciplined style of quarterbacking, saying, get to this position, be this type of thrower, looking at it as like, when you throw, throw like this. 
and he did it, and he's a super hard worker. Um, like, I'm going to bounce back to the mental side. Justin can be a very focused person. Like, when he's out on that field and we're on doing our field stuff, he's a very focused dude out on the field, uh, which, which tells me he's trying to get the most of every workout. He, it's incredible. He played 21 games at Ohio State, and, and he's number two with 67 touchdown passes there all time. Were you surprised by the, the slide, kind of? Like, it, it, I mean, I, I see a lot of these mock drafts, and I'm, I don't know how much attention you pay to them. I, I know the guys all say they don't, but I'm, I'm sure everybody looks at them because they're everywhere now. I mean, there are some mock drafts that have him dropping into the 20s. You know, slides are un- – okay, let's, let's talk about slides and drafts. Are they sliding because somebody in a mock draft had them going two back in January – and now in a mock draft in April, somebody has him somewhere else. Right. Like, well, the first draft never really happened, and the second one never really happened. Those are all just somebody did some homework back in January and said he was potentially the number two guy, and now somebody's saying they're done more homework, and now he's somewhere else. Right. To me, in my mind, I, I don't pay attention to all the mocks because you, most of it's speculation and assumptions. Some people do gather some information from people within buildings, but it's usually not from the decision makers. The person that's going to make the decision on draft day, the general manager or the head coach, trust me, they're not telling exactly what they're thinking to everybody outside the building. They may say something to somebody that can give a hint. I'm kind of thinking this. Or somebody beneath those people heard something and then maybe they say it. But to me, it's speculation. We don't know draft order, really. Trades are going to happen. Right. You know, if somebody would have said that Jalen Hurts was going to be the second-round pick last year, would everybody have guaranteed that? Or where was he slated to go? So was he a riser? Or did the Philadelphia Eagles kind of always know all the time what they were going to do? So I see these rises and falls that people say are going to happen. But in my mind, it just comes down to the team that's picking, where do they have him stacked up? Because that's really all that matters. And, like, could he still be the number three pick of San Francisco? Absolutely. Could a team like Atlanta take him at four? Absolutely. Could Denver or New England or somebody else trade up and get him higher? Yeah. So I don't see Justin as like a faller by any means. He hasn't done anything to take away from what he did in those playoff games. The player that he was against Clemson, he was the best player on the football field that night. He absolutely lit it up. And I think he demonstrated why he is a top 10 pick and why he should be picked as somebody's potential starting quarterback for the future. Has he done anything since that point in time to say he's not? Nothing. Nothing. Trey Lance. So this was interesting because it's out there. Uh, Kyle Shanahan asked you to work with Trey Lance. Is that, is that true? I mean, here's the thing. I have a great relationship with the 49ers and a great, and a great relationship with Kyle. Um, are the 49ers looking at Trey Lance? Yes, just like they're looking at all the other quarterbacks. Right. So I think it was just kind of a natural thing to have it work out. Um, you know, Trey has a great agent in Patrick Collins at CAA. He and Trey wanted to be able to have some more experiences, right? And it just happened to work out that because of the connection with San Francisco, because I'm in this side of things, hey, it works, right? Uh, and I've had a great experience working with Trey. To say that, like, Kyle set the whole thing up, that's – it wasn't Kyle that set the whole thing up. But to say that, like, hey, what a great – Wait, this all plays together. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. In a roundabout way. Kyle has so many things going on. Trust me. He's not like. He's not dialing you up. Like, dude, you got to work this guy out. He's not dialing it up, stuff like that. But is he aware of the relationships that are going on? Absolutely. And and he's certainly not disappointed that he's working with you, considering your relationship going back to to your Washington days. I think he's the most intriguing quarterback and player in this entire draft. He's 
played 17 games on the college level, one full season as a starter. Uh, all the tools, big, strong. Obviously, he played on the FCS level, so it's a little different, not the best competition. But we've seen it translate into success before. Carson Wentz, obviously, you know, played there as well. Easton Stick uh, was drafted in the NFL. He was the quarterback before Trey Lance got going. Um, never lost. One interception in 17 games. You've only worked with him for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, yeah just a couple of weeks. I didn't handle his pre-draft leading up to his pro day. Um, we got put in contact with each other after his pro day, so okay. he's only been here for a few weeks. W what's your takeaway on Trey Lance? I'm like you. I mean, super intriguing. Like, I've loved my time working with Trey. Great kid, super hard worker. You can tell he loves football. Very talented. There's a lot there. Um, and, you know, for him, it's just... Uh, Okay, so the word I use for him is eager. I sent so much eagerness from him, right? He does, he has 17 games, right? A lot of the times those guys are the first round draft picks. They've played in high 20s, sometimes 30s, and some guys it's even almost 40 games. So 17 games, I'm sure he wishes he could have more college experience. Uh, I, I know that this last season got taken from him. It wasn't his call, you know, he, he didn't right. like exit early. Uh, he, he didn't opt out of the right. season. Right. That was all there he just, could play. It was one game. Yeah. There was just one game. Um, but he's a very talented guy, um, and I think for me, I'm excited to see what Trey can do over the next handful of months in his development as he continues. I think for him, he's coming from a great place, a, a great mentality, and what they've done up there offensively. When, I, when you sit down and you watch tape with him, I like the way he's playing the game of football. I like what he's being asked to see. I like what he sees, what he picks up on. I like what he does in the protections. Um, Whoever does draft him is going to get a good football IQ guy. You can tell he's an intelligent guy. On, on the field, he's working on things to improve in some areas, to clean some things up. I, I can see why he was so successful there. You know, one thing that we try to do here is we try to not look at quarterbacks of, you know, where they're at as like that's a determining factor. We, we look at guys as their ability to throw, their ability to process, their ability to play the game, their IQ, regardless of what school they come from. Something really cool that I feel like we do do a good job of is they say, what if we take that player and we put him in this school, right? We love to kind of like mix and match our, especially our draft guys. Mm -hmm. Okay, what if I take this guy and I put him at Florida? And what if I take the Florida guy and I put him at uh, Ohio State or Alabama? What if I take the BYU guy and I drop him at these schools? What does all that stuff look like? Because to me, that's what the NFL is like. Because you're taking him out of what you saw him perform in and you're going to put him in another environment. Now who is he in that environment? And that's where we try to judge guys from. And when we go through our evaluation process of Trey, we think that there's a lot of great things in his future by whoever picks him. The most important thing is going to be what do they do to develop him once they get him. What's one thing you've worked on in your two weeks with him? So when you watch Trey cut the ball loose downfield, uh, there's a lot of clean, uh, aggressive, and he, he, he can drive the ball downfield. Some of the things that we're working on is how can we get that to, to, uh, to all the throws across the board, Right. Because you watch throws jump out of his hand, and you're like, it's awesome. That's elite. That's awesome. And then, okay, now let's see that across the board. And really, what, that's the same thing we, we go through with a lot of our NFL guys, right? We get somebody, they're a starter for their team. They've been the starter there for two or three years, and they know that they want to get more. They want to get more out of themselves. They want to be more efficient. They want to be more productive on certain throws. They want to be able to raise their level of completion percentage when it's there on certain throws. That's the kind of the process we take with them. So we're doing that with Trey now. So it's kind of like the process that he would inevitably take as he enters the professional game. He's just getting a little bit of a head start on it. Time for a quick break to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. The first is Greens Plus. 
a leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse that green superfood powder into a bar. Greens Plus bars and powders are the best tasting, most effective way to improve your immunity, detox your body, boost your energy, and get that nutritional insurance that your body needs from organic, gluten-free, premium green superfoods. You can get it at Whole Foods, Amazon, or greensplus.com. We're going to give you free shipping and 20% off today if you use the promo code HELLY. That's greensplus.com. Also wanted to tell you about VACO. That's V-A-C-O. At VACO, they invest in your career, so you are here for the duration of theirs. VACO is a premier talent and solutions firm that provides boutique-level service with global reach in the areas of consulting, consultative project resources, executive search, permanent placement, and strategic staffing. Areas of expertise include C-suite search, accounting, finance, technology, healthcare IT, operations, administration, and international managed services. Founded by my good buddy, Brian Waller, and a couple of his friends. In 2002, Baco has grown to serve over 40 markets across the globe. They have 1,000 employees, 5,000 consultants, and $750 million in revenue. Check them out at Vaco.com. That's V-A-C-O.com for more info on how Vaco connects people to their dream jobs and helps leading companies find talent to grow their businesses. One of the things I heard Chris Sims say on a podcast when he was talking about Trey, and he, and he, he likes Trey, um, was that he doesn't, at this point, right, after only 17 games, have as many clubs in his bag as he was, would like to see. Like, a lot of them are just... He's, they're bullets. Everything's kind of the same speed. Is that just from watching the tape and stuff? Is that sometimes something that you, you work on with him or no? Well, I can see why Chris would say that. Yep. Um, I can also see throws in there that tell me more of a story. So I, I guess when I look at, like when I evaluate a quarterback, I'm not only looking at just the throws that I see, but when I see a throw made, I then look at how he's making that throw and in my mind, I see a handful of other throws that I know that, that that's in there. So, like, let's say I evaluate, you know, a couple hundred throws on tape. I'm essentially also evaluating four times that in my head from if I know he can do that and he does it that way, I also know this is in there. Or if I see a flaw, I'm doing the same thing in flaws. If that flaw shows up here... I also know these routes or these throws, mm -hmm. that flaw could also show up. So it kind of goes both ways. Do I think that he can work on some areas? Uh, absolutely. But I can also say the same thing about every single quarterback. That's right. also why some of the best of the best come here to work on those things. Um, to me, Trey's thing is going to be about more experience doing those. So I may say uh, back to Chris, maybe he has those clubs in his bag, but because he hasn't used them a whole lot, they're staying in the bag. That's probably the best way that I can put it. That's, no, that, that's a really good way to put I it. I think he's got all the clubs in the bag, but some players, they go with the clubs they feel most comfortable with. So it's about then pulling those ones that are in the bag and saying, let's really work on this. I know you got it. It's in there. Right. Now let's get used to it. I'm making it more habit instead yeah. of thinking, just, just kind of doing. All right, one more quarterback I want to touch on because I think he, he could slip into the first round. You know, Kyle Trask, I'm, I don't even know if you know this. I, I went to Tennessee, so I, I lived in Florida for a long time. But those Gator quarterbacks, you know, I was there when, when Peyton was there. We never beat Florida. Um, Kyle Trask didn't start 
in high school yeah, in Texas. He has Texas. a crazy story. I mean, it's unbelievable. His first start, I believe, was an LSU-Florida game in college. So how about that? You got no starts under your belt, and then all of a sudden, hey, we're just going to have you go play in the old uh, Florida-LSU game. That's so that's so yeah. crazy, man. I mean, th this guy is the cla his classic size, right? He's 6'5", oh, he's, he's a like big 235. Dude. Yeah. Um, he, he's a pocket quarterback, you know, not the most athletic, but he's, he's – Hold set, on, he's sneaky now. Is he sneaky? sneaky he's sneaky. Let me tell you something. Uh, when he's – his first move to make somebody miss, yeah. sneaky. What, well, if when that's in the pocket for a quarterback, that's what you need, Yeah, right? it's great, yeah. Okay, so give me his give me his top trait. Well, I'm going to give a word that I've been telling all the teams that I talk to, value. Like, I see a ton of value uh, in Kyle. Meaning, let's say he does end up somewhere in the second round. I see a ton of value. Uh, you know, if we bumped back 15 to 20 years ago, everybody's looking for a Kyle Trask. That guy, you're, you're right. Everybody's looking for a Maybe Kyle Trask. Maybe not even that long ago. Maybe not even that ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. They're looking for a Kyle Trask, right? So to me, I also look at... What if that Alabama-Florida game that was so tight that could have gone Florida's way, what if that goes Florida's way? And what if the LSU hiccup didn't happen, right? Is he potentially the Heisman Trophy winner? Is he potentially, right? Like, Kyle is a grinder. You can tell by the way that he works. I love the quality that he has. When I played for the Baltimore Ravens, they had this kind of model, right? Like, get your, get your, uh, your lunch pail and your work hat right. and your hard hat and come to work every day. Kyle does that so well he shows up and grinds every single day he's very very consistent um his throwing days you don't see a couple off days a couple strong days you don't see like a monday that's up here and then a tuesday that's kind of right here kyle is just so consistent in how he delivers the football uh his ability to be accurate so to me his strength is just who he shows up as every single day and i'm going to say that both from a mental and a physical standpoint he's just a very consistent guy and i would say his experience of not having been a starter in high school and then having to be a starter in college, there's some lessons that he probably learned that are very unique to him. I think he handles things very well because he doesn't make them too big, right? He's just calm, right? Hey, I have no starts. How many people would probably have a ton of anxiety knowing my first ever start is going <laughs> to be in a big-time SEC game? That's wild. Being around Kyle, I bet he was like, yep, yeah, you know, Hey, like it is what it is. I'm just going to go play ball. It's what I do. I'm just going to go throw the football around. And that mentality is going to serve him well in the NFL because who knows? He can go get picked up on a team. Maybe he's a second-round quarterback, right? And maybe they told him, hey, you're going to develop for a year. And then all of a sudden, he wins out the number two job in camp. And third game of the season, the starter hits his hand on a helmet, breaks his thumb. And now Kyle's the starter. I think he just walks out the same way. Well, you know, it's why I work hard. It's why I do what I do. Now's my time. I'm just going to go play ball. And I love that about him. Well, and, and just to be clear for those who aren't familiar with Kyle Trask, he was backing up a young man named De'Ara King, who was the number one quarterback in the country, I believe, in high school, went to Houston, is now at Miami. And he did play in high school. He just never started those games because he was backing up King the whole time. And to his credit, never transferred, stayed there, you know, got the run he got in the second half of those high school games. And it worked out pretty well in college. He has a cool recruiting story also. Uh, Coach Nussmeyer, the quarterback coach over at the Dallas Cowboys, he was the one that recruited Kyle Trask to Florida. And because of my relationship with Dak and training Dak, I've gotten to know Nuss really well. And he has a really cool story of his recruiting stuff with Kyle, of just like he's down there watching Kyle throw. Like, if there's not a Derek King there and I'm just here to watch Kyle Trask throw, I'm impressed. Like, right. this guy can do it. And he's like, I offered him a scholarship and basically said, I'm going to give you a scholarship 
but you know, I don't want this to be a thing where it floats around or like you have to make up like trying to decide. Like we're in a position at Ford where we need to get somebody now. And Kyle's like, I'm in. He committed right on the spot, right? It was a <laughs> I don't camp know if it's right at the spot, but like the way that Nuss tells it, yeah, it, it was just like, all right, I'm in. And he's like, and we knew right away we had a dude. Like this wasn't like somebody that we were like, eh, maybe let's give him. He's like, no, we thought we were watching a guy that can absolutely do it. That's why we gave him the scholarship. Wow. That, that's tremendous foresight for a guy. I know. Starting. So hats off to Nuss. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, listen, I know you got to run. I want to get into your, your story a little bit. Uh, drafts coming up next week. Um, that was 14 years ago that you were waiting and wondering where you were going to be going. Uh, the, the pre-draft process, what do you remember most about that? How exciting it was. Um, I grew up wanting to be an NFL quarterback. And uh, all through college, my dad would record on these VHS tapes, the NFL Combine, right? And uh, he'd send them to me, and I would just watch them and watch everything and watch all the guys. He would I record mean, the Combine for you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. And I would get them shipped in these little, like, uh, you know, packages, and it would be – and I watched all the positions. Wow. I, I watched the whole freaking thing. I mean, I just ate it up. And uh, I loved it because it was finally my time, right? And uh, in college, you know, it had been an up-and-down journey, right? And I think that's also why I look at Zach's journey. And I had to do tons of interviews, right? Because of the BYU stuff, they bring me on the shows. Well, what's going to be of Zach, you know, this is back in like his freshman year, sophomore year, right? right? And after his sophomore year, there's a quarterback competition. Guys, trust me, he's learning so much from what he has to go through. Like we didn't talk about the surgery that he had after his freshman year, you know? He came back after a, a big surgery and was trying to play that year. So I see ups and downs as to me a quarterback's journey that I believe makes him better. I always use this phrase. If you have to sail across an ocean, do you want to sail with a captain that's seen stormy weather and stormy seas or only somebody that's smoothed, uh, or sorry, sailed smooth waters? Right. I'm getting on the boat with somebody that's weathered the storms. So to me, I look at quarterbacks as don't knock a quarterback because he's had to go through some storms. If he learns how to weather those storms, he's going to come out on the other end in a much better place. So I look back at my career and I'm like, I had to weather some storms early and then it went great my senior year. That, that draft process was just so fun to perform for NFL teams. You know, to show up at the Combine, and I'm sitting in a meeting room with the Philadelphia Eagles, and there's Andy Reid, and, like, I loved every minute of it. Mike Martz, who I watched have the greatest show on turf, he's wanting to go grab a bite to eat with me. He's wanting to talk ball. I know who this guy is. I know how successful the Kurt Warners, the Mark Bulgers, the, all these guys. Like, I loved that moment. To me, it wasn't like... What are they going to think of me? To me, it was like, this is freaking sweet. I get to go show them who I am. Well, then the NFL hits, right? And I get drafted by the Miami Dolphins, which I was so pumped for. Like, draft day, it's exciting. I tell all the guys, like, look, guys, enjoy the moment. Because, you know, it is easy to be concerned for these guys. Like, what's my team going to be like? I know sure. all these quarterbacks that have, like, gone to bad situations and it doesn't work for them. I know you're well aware of that, but don't miss out on the current moment. Don't, don't get caught up in the future Live in the current moment. Enjoy this process because you've been waiting and working since you were a little kid. So it, I was super pumped. When I got the phone call on draft day, I missed even on the TV them saying my name or number or any of that because I was head down on the phone, pumped up, talking to my new coach, my new general manager. You know, And to me, the story that was cool was this was a coach that had coached Drew Brees uh, at the San Diego Chargers. It was, and was Cam? It was Cam. And he yeah. was picking me. And I was like, this is going to be freaking sweet. Like... Uh, Anyway, rough season, right? We go 1-15. and 15. That's, my, that's my thing, right? Like, uh, you hear those stories of guys that get drafted to difficult situations. That was a difficult that situation. That was my story. Yeah, you know. I look back at it like, would I have done some things different knowing what I know now? Absolutely. At the current time, I was trying to do everything right. 
Um, but it is what it is, right? And I try to pass all those lessons on to these guys. I think quarterbacks are far more prepared for the NFL nowadays for a lot of different reasons. Um, I think exposure when they're in high school, the things that they're exposed to, the offenses they're being asked to learn. I think film study, you know, I'm getting VHS tapes sent to me by my dad, right? <laughs> like I would have him actually, he had the NFL network and I didn't. So right. when they would do those replays of games, yeah. he would record them. So I would get in the mail, you know, a 2004 playoff game, this team. And he would send me all the playoffs that were redone on the NFL network because they trimmed them. And it was all in like an hour and a half. And that was my NFL game tape because there was no way to access that when right. I was in college. Nowadays, you have high school teams that have access to college tape. They're being taught off college tape. And in college, you have teams that are using NFL schemes and they're being taught off tape off NFL teams. So I think that's preparing guys so much better for the NFL nowadays. But I always try to share with them, look, you're, you're like you're going on a journey. One of my most favorite quotes is behind mountains are more mountains. Like you're, you're climbing this mountain to get to the NFL. And yeah, you feel like you're on top, but guess what's on the other side of that mountain? More mountains. And I love a phrase that Peyton Manning's dad told him. When Peyton got drafted, he said, Peyton, you worked really hard to get here. Now you're going to have to work even harder. And I think that's just a great mindset because there's no feeling of arrival. You know, these guys are going to be first round draft picks. It may be easy to feel like they've arrived or that because they're a first round draft pick, they should be a successful NFL quarterback. There's no guarantees. Nothing off what you did in college guarantees anything for the pros. It's all about what you do now. And yes, the situation matters, but I love the journey that I'm helping them start. And I've hopefully prepared them well enough so that when they step into this next phase, some of the lessons that they learned here are going to help them. Washington was where I got to know you, and that was a weird year, right? So you, you went from Miami to Baltimore and then traded to Washington. Yeah. Mike and Kyle come in. On that staff is Sean McVay. Matt LaFleur was on that staff as well. And it was you and Rex Grossman. This was this – was 11. 11. So this was the year before they drafted RG3. Yep. And it was the lockout, and they'd heaped a lot of praise on you, I remember. And I, I thought at the time, I'm like, man, that's a lot of pressure on this guy. Because Mike said – that he thought you were the top quarterback in that in that 07 class. And that was that was Jamarcus Russell, Brady Quinn, and Kevin Cobb that were picked ahead of you. You were yeah. the fourth quarterback taken. And Kyle said he was pushing the Texans, I don't know if you remember this, to take you with the 10th pick in that draft when he was the OC with the Texans. So you, you came in and you were you were kind of a fan favorite right off the bat. People were like, all right, we got our quarterback because I grew up in Washington. Yeah. They I mean, they won three Super Bowls when I was a kid. But they hadn't had a quarterback in forever, and so it was kind of you, and it was kind of Rex, but it was such a weird offseason. Well, I think there was also this empty space because of the lockout for content. So here there's Mike Shanahan saying he believes in this quarterback, and I'm sure that every, like most, most people there were like, who? Right? Like, <laughs> they're not paying attention to a guy that spent one year at the Dolphins, right. and then the whole staff got fired. Like, I didn't get to do anything there. So to them, I, I mean, I, like, I get it, but uh, it was very exciting. I knew... I had heard when I had come out that people within the Texans were high on me and that it was Kyle, right? So when I got traded, I mean, I can still remember it. I was out on the field with the Ravens. Joe and I, Joe Flacco and I were throwing extra passes after practice and Ozzie Newsom walks out and says, hey, John, hey, we traded you uh, to the Redskins. So I'm, I remember getting in my car, you know, driving down there. Oh, it's like 45 minutes yeah. away, well, right? People, laugh, mills from people laugh at this because I called my wife. I was like, hey. I have to drive to the Redskins. I just got traded. She's like, what do I need to do? I said, meet me at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> uh, 
I'm like, maybe a Chick-fil-A. I got to grab some food. We'll get the kids some food. We'll kind of talk real quick. I got to pack up my bags and then I'll drive down. And I remember driving down. I'm talking to my agent. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my dad. It's super exciting, right? Because uh, it was really hard to have all the excitement that we talked about about Miami. And then in literally a blink of an eye, it just turns into this, you know, winless um, pretty much season. We're 0-9 when I get named the starter. I mean, it literally felt like getting drafted, awesome. And then shabam, oh my gosh, we are 1-15 in and the whole building's been fired. And now all these people I've never met before, they weren't a part of my like evaluation process. Like now they're my coaches. And you're not their guy. No. And they, uh, they drafted Chad Henney. They went and got Chad Pennington. Like, and like that's reality of the NFL, right? So yeah, it was just this... To be able to feel like, oh my gosh, like here's these people that like they Wanted were aware you. of me, right? Like it was awesome. And the first time that Mike brought me in his office, he said, I watched what happened in Miami. Like we graded you, Kyle graded you, we saw what happened, we knew, so hey, we're excited to have you here and uh, work hard and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna give you an opportunity to see what you can do. That was so exciting. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a weird year because when the 2010 season ended, we had a great talk and I never shared with anybody the talks that coach and I would have, right? Because those are the things that are just between a quarterback and the head coach. It's not to be aired um, to the media. But, like, I knew he was going to give me an opportunity. Right. And so I was really excited for it. And it did – it was rough that the lockout happened. It could not have happened for my career at a worse time because that was going to be finally an off season to really get to dive into Kyle's offense. The year before I got traded, that story I told about Ozzie Newsom, that was, the, like, the week leading up to the first preseason game. So when I showed up to the building, the first thing that Kyle and Matt LaFleur said to me is, we've already done all the installs. We need to move ahead with our team. You need to catch up. So here's these DVDs to watch to learn our offense because we can't really take the time to just tutor you one-on-one. -on -one. So I would go before practice in the mornings, and Matt would walk me through all the plays that I was going to get in practice to basically memorize your plays so you can go run them at practice. Um, so it was cool that next offseason I was supposed to get like sweet OTAs with Kyle and the team, uh, really an offseason to develop in that offense. And when that got taken away, that was tough. But it did teach me a lot of good lessons. I had to find all, like other ways to learn an offense. I had to sit there and try to study how can I experience an offense to prepare me for potentially playing during the season without an offseason. And I wouldn't have known that nine years later I was going to get an opportunity to train Justin Herbert who all of a sudden had to go through an offseason not getting an offseason? And what things could I do to help him prepare for potentially a rookie year where he would have to play? So some of those experiences that kind of hurt my own personal career as a player have helped me tremendously in my coaching. Well, and not, not to mention all the relationships that you cultivated during that time in Washington that you lean on now or they lean on you now. I yeah, mean, it's those guys awesome. are all head coaches. Yeah, it, no, it's been awesome. It's been funny. I mean, I like... I, uh, I mean, they, the funny thing, too, is like when they call and we talk, sometimes it doesn't feel all that different from those days in Miami. Uh, I mean, sorry, in Washington right. all those years ago. Uh, and it is really cool. I mean, we got to be – it's weird when you go through tough times with people, right? Like that was a tough year. There was a lot of injuries. There was a lot of things that made that a tough season for us. So what do you try to do? You try to rally with the people that were there. And, yeah, it sucked. Kyle had to bench me, right, and Mike had to bench me, and it was – it was rough and like, hey, yeah, there's a lot of things that knowing now I would have done things different. But at the time, we're all trying to give our best effort. I'm sure that every one of us in that group looks back saying, yeah, there's some things we could have done different. But also looking back now, we can fully recognize some of the things that made it a difficult situation. But I think when you go through those type of things with people and then you stay connected to them, 
and I've helped a lot of Kyle's quarterbacks throughout the years, you just keep those things rolling. And like where Kyle and I are at now in our careers as coaches, like it's a completely different, smarter, better, more efficient place. And so when we can talk to each other, we've both had these experiences leading up to now that it's pretty awesome um, to talk about quarterbacks, about quarterback play, about offense, just kind of where we're at now. Are we going to see John back as an offensive coordinator head coach someday, or are you going to continue down this path? No, because I know what that looks like over there. I like being, I like being right here. You like I mean, seeing your family? Here's the thing. I technically am an offensive coordinator for the San Clemente Pop Warner 12-year-old like, team. <laughs> That's where I'm doing my, off, my, my offensive coordinator stuff. I mean, I get my fix other ways, right? Uh, I have four sons that mean the world to me. So to me, my time with them is the most valuable thing in my life. Um, so I, uh, I'm definitely one of those guys that maybe if people knew like, wait, you watch that much tape for a 11 year old game or you're like, you game plan like that. Like I do miss, there are things that I do miss about the game. I love game day. I love in the NFL. It is the highest of, um, chess matches. I love that part about the game. I love the, like the checks, the defenses, what are they getting into? What do we need to get into? I love the work week of getting with the guys on your team and working on plays and schemes in preparation to go lay it out on the line and hopefully have it go good. I think that's one of the reasons why it hurts so bad also. I never won a game in the NFL as a starter, right? right? I loved all the process leading up to going out and playing, right? And I love even the fact of having to go out there and put it on the line and potentially not winning, right? Uh, that's exciting to me. That's the thrill of the game, the competition, that I do miss that aspect. But I do get a lot from helping these guys do it. I love watching these quarterbacks succeed on Sundays and Monday nights. A lot of people ask me, well, who's your team? I, I don't have a team. You have guys. I have people, people that I root for. I love watching, like, when I'm in Dallas and I'm training Dak, I love being around that dude when he's working. When I'm with Jameis and he's training for his upcoming stuff, he works so hard. He's so invested. When I get to be around Jared Goff, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, all these guys that come in, you know, and I'm leaving some other awesome guys out. Like, I love when I see those guys invest like crazy to succeed. And then game day in the NFL is game day. It's hard. There's a lot of things out of your control. There's a lot of things you got to deal with. You have to be so mentally tough. You have to be physically tough. You got to do so many things. I love helping guys with that part of the journey. I do miss the stadiums. When I go and watch these guys, I try to go like at least one game for each of them and watch them play live. And when I'm down there on pregame, down on the field, oh yeah, my heart, it's like, I love it. I miss it. Uh, and who knows, maybe when my kids are out of the house, maybe down the road, I will jump back into it because I do love that aspect. But for right now in my life, I love my job here at 3DQB. I love the people I work with. Adam Dato and Taylor Kelly are great to work with. They're great coaches. Those guys are so influential on these guys as well. And really, we're a great team. And I love coaching my boys. I love dialing up some plays on some Saturday mornings for Pop Warner kids. And uh, I do help out at the high school as well. I love high school football. So I'm in a very comfortable place right now. I do love my relationships with the NFL coaches, like when Kyle or Matt or those guys or you know, coaches at different teams, when they want to talk ball, I mean, I can do that forever. That's amazing. You're in a good place, man. I, I, it, five quarterbacks in this draft, including three that are, yeah, you were talking three top ten picks here, basically locked, and Kyle Trask could be a first-rounder as well. Congratulations. Thanks. It's great to see you again. I really appreciate the time. I know you got to run. And uh, good luck on draft night, man. Thanks. Appreciate it.